If you want to come on in and grab a seat, that'd be great. Good to see everybody. How's everybody doing? Raise your hand if you're having a pretty good week. Yeah, good. We missed you all last week, so it's good to be good to be back. Weather's even keeled and everything like that. So, hey, if you want to take out um, the uh, paper clipped cards in your uh, the center of your table, there, I just want to walk you through these real quick. Two, just want to welcome you if you're new to D6. Uh, this is just a place where parents grow together, and uh, we really get better at leading our kids on the spiritual front at home. And uh, so it's where the church comes together with the family and really helps the family to thrive on the spiritual front. So uh, our virtue for tonight is commitment, and um, our bottom line you see at the bottom of the page there is practice talking about God. So that's what we'll be hearing about downstairs. That's what our kids are hearing um, across the hallway tonight. And um, you'll notice you've got two of uh, two, two cards for the take-home. Uh, the mealtime one uh, needs a, that attachment, so um, you'll notice that that'll take you through that. Uh, when you work on the mealtime one this week, uh, you'll need to have this card with the names of God at the top of it, okay? So that'll just help you with that activity for that one, okay? So you've got mealtime, drive time, and nighttime. And again, just hope those are helpful just to really help you um, dive into the topics a little bit deeper uh, together with your family, okay? Well, hey, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll introduce our, our speaker for tonight, and uh, we'll go ahead and, and give him uh, time, all right? So yeah, if you pray with me, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for joining us together again. Um, thank you for these families that have come. Lord, thanks for our kids. Lord, thanks for the next generation. Um, we are excited as we think about them and as we think about what you could do through them and the legacy of faith that, Lord, we long to leave with them. And so, Lord, tonight we just pray that you would equip us um, to, be, to be parents that would really lean into that legacy of faith, God. So thank you for this group that's just really made a statement even by being here tonight of, hey, I just... I want to help my family on this front, Lord. So we want to honor you in that, and we thank you for this opportunity to do so. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, tonight, um, Mark Thingval is with us, and um, I'm excited to have Mark talk to us, particularly to talk about this topic uh, that he's going to be diving into. Uh, if you know Mark and you know his family, they really live out the topic that he's going to um, lead us into tonight. And so, yeah, without any more introduction, um, I really love this guy and, and thank God for him. So let's give Mark a warm welcome. Yeah. Hey. How's everybody doing? Good. Uh, I was on the calendar to speak last week, actually, and uh, so I went ahead and did that and got a practice round in while you guys were at home. So it's nice to have people here for my second opportunity to share. Now, I'm Mark Thingval, like Jeff said, um, and uh, if uh, we don't know each other, uh, I'm married to Jenny. Uh, we've been married about 17 and a half years, and um, have a daughter, Maggie, who's 15, Simon, who's uh, 12, Justin's nine, and then uh, Dominique is in our home. She's our foster daughter. She's about two and a half, and uh, so right now, we, we can claim that we're in preschool, elementary school, middle school, and high school all at once, so uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's neat to experience those different stages of parenting. All together, maybe some of you have families like that too, or maybe you're bunched up together just in kind of one age range, but right now we're pretty spread out and, and enjoying that, enjoying that quite a lot. But uh, <clears throat> uh, before we get started tonight, I have a question for you. Uh, I want you to think about, and actually write it down somewhere, just kind of scrap of paper kind of question, but um, I find it helps me to actually process it well if I write it down. 
don't have to write down the question, but write down the answer to it. And the answer I'm looking for is this. Uh, the question is, in the spiritual realm, kind of things about God, following, following Christ, and just in the, in the spiritual realm, what are a few of the top priority things you'd want your kids to learn? Uh, just kind of real high priority spiritually, something you want your, your kids to, to pick up as they're growing up in your home. Just two or three things that come to mind. All right, so you have a few written down? Everybody got a few? Overflow room? You need to do this too. Is that the camera right there? Write it down. Okay. Uh, in this room, a couple of th- shout out something you wrote down. I heard somebody say prayer already, right? Prayer. So how to, how to pray and, and how that works in life. What else? Trust. So trusting God in different life circumstances probably. Anybody else? What's something you wrote down? Grace, okay, understanding grace, God's grace in our lives, good. One more. Okay, that God has a plan. Yeah, he's got, he's kind of a sovereign hand and a plan for our lives. Um, so as you think about maybe some of the top priority things you wrote down or some of the ones that people said, um, do you think, okay, as a parent, how am I going to teach these things? And, and it leads me to think through what's maybe the best way to learn about something? What's the best way to learn about something that you haven't, mastered yet. And uh, as I was kind of thinking through this uh, talk tonight, even I thought, well, I think experiencing it, experiencing it is probably one of the top, top ways to learn something, right? So I was a part of a deal. Uh, one time we were taking a, making a video of a guy who was going to jump out of an airplane, but he'd never done it before, parachuting, right? And so we actually had to go to the place where he was going to do it and and kind of film the whole process. So he learned, right? First, he, he learned through a, some book and some writing, he had to take a little exam, and then a guy kind of talked him through it, and then they got out the parachute, and they had to put it on their shoulder, his shoulders, right? And he had to kind of practice jumping off a little bench, you know, and just experiencing all this stuff. And then he had to do a tandem jump with another guy, right? And then, finally, he got to jump out of the airplane on his own. But uh, he wouldn't have wanted to just read the book and then jump out of an airplane, right? Nobody wants to do that, right? So the best way, I think, probably to learn how to do something would be experiencing it. And as you think about uh, just how we kind of set up our lives, too, I think we, we tend to do this in, in important things. Uh, apprenticing, shadowing, mentoring, we talk about these kinds of things. I know back in the day, they used to, if your son was going to be a silversmith, right, he'd go be an apprentice at the silver, so he'd go live with them and, like, work there and learn how to do this trade and experience it before he's going to really do it in his life. And uh, tonight, as we talk about, you know, parenting, my big idea for the night is let's experience ministry as a family. I want you to be challenged in this area of thinking about, am I experiencing ministry with my kids in my family? And when I say ministry, um, you might think, oh, that's a minister. That's what a pastor does, or that's what the church does. That's ministry. But actually, the, I did a little research. Okay, the Greek word for ministry okay, means to serve. It means to serve. And when you tie it in with like Christian ministry, that's serving God. Serving God or representing, serving others uh, as if you were serving God. So it's serving together as a family and experiencing what it's like to follow Christ together. So am I leading my family in these things? Am I leading my family in experiences that help us learn how to serve Christ together? Uh, a number of years ago, just as I was, my kids were starting to grow up and I'm 
processing this whole parenting thing. And I'm going, what's the big idea? What's the point? What's the big point, uh, the overall principle I'm trying to go for in parenting here? And as I just kind of was doing life and not really thinking very intentionally about it, I thought, well, I, it just kind of feels like I'm supposed to raise these nice Christian kids. Like I'm, they're supposed to be polite and keep a clean nose and not do the wrong things and have the right Sunday school answers, right? Don't, uh, what do they say? Uh, don't, uh, I don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls that do or something like that, right? I mean, is that the point? Are we just supposed to look nice, look clean, do the right things? And then, so I'm thinking through that. So if that's the point, then I guess the point is for them to grow up and then uh, raise kids that are just look like nice Christians too. So then we just keep raising kids that look like nice Christians. And that seems pretty pointless, really. Who's actually going to live it out? Who's actually going to learn what it's like to be a disciple and follow Christ into hard stuff? That's where I want to go, right? I don't want to just be a parent that raises a nice Christian kid. The percentages of kids that fall away from the church and the Christian faith when they go to college is huge. I don't know the exact numbers, but that happens a lot. I think one of the big reasons might be we're just playing the game sometimes, and we're not really diving in and experiencing the Christian life together as a family before we send them off to do life on their own. Um, so in uh, Matthew 16, <clears throat> Matthew 16, 24 is a verse you may recognize. I'll just read it for you. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Discipleship, taking up your cross, denying yourself, following him, losing your life for his sake. That's what I want to experience with my kids. I want to experience what it looks like to, to pay a, a price for being a disciple to some degree. Um, this year, kicking off the, my New Year's resolution as I looked at just my own spiritual time in the, in the Bible and time with the Lord, um, for a number of years I'd done something called the one-year Bible reading plan to kind of pretty fast-paced through a pretty broad sections of the Bible to get through it in a year. And, and I just thought, I just kind of feel like I've been pulled behind the speedboat, you know, just reading through all these passages. And, and so this year I'm just, I'm in Matthew. I'm just in Matthew. Maybe the whole year, I don't know how long, but right now I've just been reading through Matthew and just soaking in and just reading through. And um, <clears throat> even as I thought about, you know, what I could share uh, with this talk, Matthew seven twenty four really stuck out to me. And uh if you grew up around, you know, church or Sunday school, or if you help in Sunday school at all, you might might do the little song, the wise man built his house. Okay, upon the rock, right? And the foolish man built it on the sand. Okay, so I, I'm just reading through Matthew, and I come across the wise man built his house upon the rock. I'm like, oh, I, I don't remember what the context for that is. What, when does that verse even come up in Scripture? And this is where, what's around that verse. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So he who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is the one that has his house built on the rock, this strong foundation. And then the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and the beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on the rock. And then he gives the contrast. Those who hear the words and don't do what I say 
they're the ones that build the sand, and the storms come, and the house just goes splat, we say in the song, right? Um, but so I thought, oh, so what he's saying is we need to obey his commands. We need to obey what he teaches if we want a strong foundation for our house, or in my case, as a parent, for my household, right, for my home. If I want to build a good, solid family, I need to do what Jesus is talking about doing. I need to obey that, and so then I'm going to be on the rock, and in stressful times and hard times in life, we're going to stay strong if we do what Jesus commanded. And so I'm in the context of that verse, then, well, what was he commanding? What's he talking about right around that part of Matthew chapter 7? Well, I'm looking back, and turns out that comes right at the end of something called the Sermon on the Mount. And that's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's kind of the first big, you know, the biggest sermon we have recorded of Jesus, right? So the biggest message he had, kind of all put together, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, the wise man built his house upon the rock. He says, if you do what I just talked to you about in these last two chapters here in this big sermon he gave, then you'll have this strong foundation for your family. Like, I should pay attention to that, right? This, is, this sounds pretty key. So I started looking back through that, and I've just been listening through chapters 5, 6, and 7 when I'm driving. I have a little audio Bible to listen to and been reading through them and just trying to focus on, well, how would this impact uh, my life if I apply this to my family? Well, one of the, one of the first uh, parts of that Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes. Blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the, right? And uh, here's a couple of them. Just key in on this if you want to build a strong family, Jesus says, right? One of the many things he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And he goes on, and you've probably heard that before. But if you just highlight a few of those words, the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, those who are seeking righteousness, those who are merciful to others, and uh, when it talks about seeking righteousness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's not talking about just righteousness like, oh, being holy and perfect, but it's talking about righteousness like justice for those who are uh, oppressed and those who are hurting, as I looked up some of the meaning of these things. So he's saying we've got to get out of our comfort zone, and we have to be serving others and merciful and kind and loving and seeking justice for those who are downtrodden and hurting in our community. And so Jesus preached that. And then he lived it out, too. In Matthew 5, uh, he says, hey, if you, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the pagans do that. If, you, if you're nice to people who are nice to you, that's no big deal. That's easy, he says. But you have to be nice to those who are not easy to be nice to. And uh, love those who are hard to love. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, some people come and they ask Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher, why does Jesus, eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when it talks about sinners there, they're talking about like prostitutes and thieves and robbers, adulterers, bad people, right? Jesus was sitting down and eating meals with these people. And the religious people are like, what are you doing? Why is your teacher doing this? That looks wrong. He says, no, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. You've heard that verse, right? That's right in that same little story. So, um, and in Matthew chapter 25, he talks about the sheep and the goats and uh, dividing up at the end of time. You know, who he, do you remember the passage where he says, you, uh, you will get reward because you fed me when I was hungry and you gave me, you took me in when I was a stranger. And they say, when do we do that, Lord? He said, when you've done this to the 
least of these, right? That's all part of his message. That's how his kingdom works. This is how Jesus' kingdom works. And I want my kids to know this, and I want to know this. I want to live this kind of a life, right, where I'm paying the price that it costs to be a disciple, and I'm learning about his priorities of his kingdom. And that's what it takes to make, you know, a solid family. So um, to make it practical, then I say, okay, how's my family doing interacting with the least of these? Do my kids know anybody that's hurting? Have they met any needs of someone who's hurting? Have they reached out to someone who needs help? Have they shared uh, Christ's love with someone uh, outside the walls of my home and outside the walls of my church, maybe? Um, and uh, so how am I doing at being merciful and poor in spirit and meek and, uh, and uh, hungry and thirsting for righteousness? I, I came down to two different big areas for me, I think, as I thought through some of this. And one is kind of our time and our energy. So what do we give time and energy to as a family? Because we have the opportunity to lead our home as parents, right? And so um, there's lots of things we can do, right? Hobbies and sports and music and academics and vacations and all kinds of stuff. And lots of it's really good. Um, but let's not miss the things that build our family spiritually. Let's not miss things that we can invest in that would teach some of these principles that Jesus is saying need to be the key, the priority for us. Um, have you ever seen that deal where... I was at a talk one time or a couple different times maybe where there's like a big glass vase and, and you have like ping pong balls and, and uh, tennis balls and then like big softballs, right? And if you put all the ping pong balls in first, the little ones, then it fills like halfway up and then the other balls don't all fit. But if you put the big ones in first and then the ping pong balls kind of bounce down in between the cracks and then it all fits. You ever seen this done? Okay. I was going to get all the props and do all, but I figured you've seen this before. Okay. So... If you put the big ones in first, then those are like the priorities in your life. And you land those first, and then the little stuff fills in the cracks, right? But sometimes in life, don't we all do it backwards sometimes, right? We just do what's most urgent. We just do what's popular at school. We just do it, whatever, what coworkers do and what we see people doing on Facebook. Okay, anyway, um, the thing we do sometimes is forget to put the big ones in first. And so I would just encourage you tonight to step back and say, okay, what are Jesus' priorities? How does his kingdom work? How are my kids learning that? And am I investing in those things first? And then let's sprinkle in hobbies and activities and fun stuff too, because that's good. That's a part of growing up. But I don't want to miss those big rocks, those big balls that have to fit in first. So one thing, just really practically speaking, that Brookside offers that my family has enjoyed and that I've seen my kids grow in is the Go Team's family trips. And I don't know if you've thought about doing that at all, but just from a personal experience in terms of what has meant a lot to us. Um, if your kids are older, like entering sixth grade or up, then the Go Team's international trips they can go on uh, to the Dominican Republic. My daughter Maggie uh, is in ninth grade now, but when she was just entering six was the first time we went to the DR. And I remember on that trip seeing her, um, I mean, I felt like in the course of the 10 days of uh, preparing for the trip for a couple of months, you kind of have some meetings as a team, but then in the 10 days of the trip, I remember feeling like she's just, I can see her going from a young girl to a young woman almost because of all the stretching that happened and all the new experiences that happened as we went through that process together. Things like, I knew that we'd studied the word and done things at home and she had a relationship with Christ. I hadn't heard her share that with anybody and I'm her dad, right? But we get on the admission trip and they say, okay, well today we're going to go out to this little town and we're going to meet these people and we're going to tell them about 
about how we came to know Jesus. And we've practiced this, but I'm like, is my sixth grader going to do this, right? And uh, we get out to this park, and there's these people gathering around, and Miguel, who's been around, so you've probably seen him around, Miguel Shell's there, and they say, all right, well, how about Mark and Maggie, why don't you guys get us started and share with these guys about how you came to know Jesus? Okay, you know? And so here's my little girl, and she's telling them all about it. Wow, that was awesome. And then we're praying together every morning as a team, and we're reading the Word, and we're seeing answers to prayer, real things happening in the middle of the day that we prayed for that morning, and Maggie's going, Dad, we just prayed for that, and it just happened. Remember? We prayed for Raquel in that house, and she was home, and we got to talk to her, and she just prayed to receive Christ. Awesome, right? And then at the end of the week, that first week, we had played with these kids and done this VBS thing together, and um, we had to say goodbye because we had to jump on an airplane and go back home, right? But for a week, she had poured her life into these kids and loved loved them for Jesus' sake. And then I remember getting in the back of a pickup truck and going down that bumpy road, and Maggie was there, and I was there, and some of the other friends and parents were there, and a number of the kids just started weeping. They just started crying, and she was, I had never seen her cry like that. She was shaking and sobbing so hard because she loved those kids for Jesus. I was like, that is a lesson I want her to know, right? And I want to see that come back when she comes back home, and it has. She's chosen to invest her life in some different things because of experiences we had on that trip. Lexington, Nebraska, and we have some pictures of this. We went last summer with younger kids. You can start in Lexington, Nebraska from third grade on up. So third, fourth, fifth grade is kind of the target, but if you have kids a little older than that, that's okay if they come too. And uh, you'll just see a few of the, the pictures here of things we did in Lexington, but it's the same kind of idea. We're, we're focusing on spiritual lessons and learning, and we're investing in the kids' lives in this community. And parents and kids going together, knocking on doors of trailer parks that are poor, poor, people, people in poverty, people that need to know Jesus, people that have a chance then to come with us and follow the happy people going to the VBS program, (laughs) to come to a church where they can hear the good news, and then go to people's houses and do work projects and do home improvement stuff for them, and just show them, because we love Jesus, we're coming here to serve you. And to focus on that together, maybe that's all the vacation days you have for work, but it's worth it. Because your kids learn about prayer and answers to prayer and serving others and sharing the gospel. It's pretty amazing stuff. It's a lot of fun. And the deadlines for all those trips are coming up soon. But just think about it. Because for our family, it's been a huge impact. It's been really, really good. Um, So that, that came to mind as I thought about time and energy and what do you invest in. You might send your kid to a basketball camp this summer and that's great. But would you also send them to a spiritual experience as well? right? Or you might invest in some private lessons for whatever. Well, are you also doing some personal discipleship kind of stuff too? You know, so arrange your priorities in terms of what you're giving your time and priority and energy to. Um, We're not perfect at that, but we sure try to keep a a good balance in that our house, and we've seen it pay great dividends. Um, And then I got to thinking too about just in our home, in our very house, our physical house where we live and do our family life, how can we offer some of that to the Lord? And you maybe know um, if you know us very well, we've gotten involved in a number of things related to foster care and caring for kids that need homes and, and families in that, in that regard. And uh, the way that, part of how that came about was just conversations that Jenny and I had. And uh, I know one thing she uh, has shared with me is that 
she was reading about the rich young ruler and how he came to Jesus and, hey, I want to follow you. And he said, well, go and give away your possessions and then you can come follow me, right? You've heard that story. And as she was just processing that personally and applying that in her own life, she said, you know what? My wealth is my family. It's my home and this environment that we've created here. I feel so wealthy in terms of what we are doing in our house and the way I love my kids and the environment we have. But I feel like God's saying, Jesus is saying to me, you have something to get there. You have something to give to me to offer at my feet and, and use it for my purposes as well. Don't just keep it to yourself. And so that some of those kind of conversations and those kind of promptings led us to say, how can we use what we do in our house? We're investing all this time and energy in our own family with really good, uh, good things happening. But can we share that with some others that also need that? Because we're, we're investing ourselves in family, so let's expand that and uh, offer our family to some other, some other people that need family. Um, what, uh, one thing that helps me think through that a little bit, and as I've done some different trainings and stuff about kind of opening up your home and your, and your household is how do you think about your home? How do you think about your house? And, uh, sometimes in our culture, I think we have a tendency to maybe think about it in some unhealthy ways that don't, don't really line up with the gospel very well. Don't line up with what Jesus priorities very well. One of those might be like a castle kind of a mentality, right? So you build up a castle because it protects you from what's outside. You have a moat around it, and you keep all the evil out, and inside is the pure and the good and the protected, right? And so stay away. This is my castle. Um, that's a mentality that I can have sometimes. And I'm like, well, I don't want a kid coming in here that's going to, you know, <laughs> teach my kids bad language or whatever it is, you know, uh, whatever uh, fears you may have about that. But a castle keeps everything outside. You may have kind of a, a fortress mentality, like a Fort Knox kind of mentality, like, okay, no, I've worked really hard to get this house to where it is, and it's clean, and it's um, and it's and uh, there's some nice stuff here that I don't want messed up, and uh, and it's safe here too, and so I've got this fortress, and uh, yeah, I'll go to church, and I'll do that thing, and I might send some money over there, but this is my space here. This is my fort, right? And I'm not going to let, I'm, this is my fortress. I'm going to protect my stuff where it is and not let it get damaged or hurt. Um, we can fall into that, right? I and a third one might be like a little bit different from that, but it's kind of like a, this is my personal refuge. My home is my personal refuge. And, and, and I deserve this, really. It's kind of like my personal health spa here at my house, right? I walk in and I've got my candles and my nice smelling scents and my, my massage chair and da-da-da, right? Um, but I've got this space. And, and to a degree, that's really good, right? You need some space. You need some space. You need some time. You need a break. But are there times when we take that too far? Like, no, this is always my space. No one else is allowed in here because this is where I need my stuff, my space, my time, my place to relax and unwind um, versus opening that up and kind of unleash, unleashing the family, if you will, and just saying, hey, this family is a great tool that God could use. Uh, I don't think I'll ever forget a guy that... Um, that worked with me at a previous uh, job. I worked at Mulholl's Nursery, and he was a guy that was just a, a landscaper that we'd gotten to know each other. He was a Mexican uh, guy and his family. And I said, uh, Alejandro, do you want to come over for dinner? We'd love to just meet your, your family and stuff. And, and that was a little bit of a, a step out of our comfort zone at that point of our lives. And but I thought, well, that'd be, that'd be cool to have him over. And, and so it worked out, and we invited him over. And he, we just enjoyed the evening together, and his kids ran around and played with our kids. And, and uh, it was... Um, it was probably the next day at, at work again when he saw me and he said, Mark, Marcos, he called Marcos, um, you're a very wealthy man. And I thought, oh, no, he probably thought the stuff we had in our house was nicer than, you know, 
He said, I'm not talking about the stuff in your house, Mark. I'm talking about how your family looked at each other and talked to each other and the tone and the love I felt in your home. I was like, wow. I, and I got a chance to talk to him more eventually and say, do you know what? Actually, what you felt wasn't, wasn't me. That was Jesus you felt at my house, right? You felt God's presence in our home because that's how we raise our kids and that's what we do in our house. And so that is what you felt. And so those kind of experiences make me think, let's open this up and bring this in for some, from some others to experience. And um, so two different things, just real practically on that end, if you're interested in kind of stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit in this area, one is called Safe Families for Children, and the other is, is Foster Care. And I'll just address both of those real quick that have both meant a lot to my, my family. Safe Families for Children is a program, a ministry that we're developing here at Brookside and some other areas just around Nebraska. I've been a part of kicking it off. It's pretty new, but it's basically helps a family that's in crisis so they don't end up needing to put their kids into foster care. Lots of times if you lose your job or homeless or having some struggles, then things get to a point where they get so bad, then child abuse and neglect happen, and then the kids go into foster care. And what Safe Families does is it says, we as a church want to have some homes that are ready to really minister to people that are hurting, and so we'll care for their kids for a little bit so that they can find a job, so that they can go to treatment program or go to counseling or get some things figured out so they can be more stable and have their kids back home again and not have to go into the formalities of the legal process of foster care. Does that make sense? So that's what Safe Families is in a nutshell. But um, there's a, a video here from a Safe Families group in, in California. So you'll enjoy the palm trees and the sunshine and stuff. But, um, but two really cool little stories woven together in this video that'll give you a feel for what, what, what I mean by the Safe Families for Children program. So go ahead, Ken. I think kids just innately feel if they're loved or accepted. And so I think just loving them has been the biggest thing. The idea is like, how can we really wrap around these families as a community? I liked the idea of reuniting families without all the red tape. Say family takes in a child, loves them like you would your own, and then sends them to be with mom and dad where they belong. I'm Rachel. I'm David. I'm Ella. I'm John. And we're the Hibleys. Hi, my name is. <laughs> <laughs> going to be a six to nine week hosting. He needed temporary care until mom had a place. I called Dave and said, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. And I said, I don't know either. We saw this one email came through describing the one-year-old baby girl and her mom was in a rehab facility here in Long Beach and they needed someone to help take care of her on the weekends. Just something about it, like I just told Charlie, I was like, I think we're supposed to take in this child. I think this child needs to come into a home. We picked him up the next night, which Dave's birthday was the following day. So I said, I got you a baby for your birthday. Our life is crazy busy. We have two kids, and I probably have a number of friends who would say, what are you doing taking on another thing? Being a host family, it's very vital to have what they're called family friends, which is other people who aren't necessarily able to take a child into a home but still want to help. What surprised me was 
It just seemed like every time I talked to somebody, they were offering to watch him. People brought us meals for dinner, or they brought us like boxes of formula and diapers and wipes. We have a picture of him with my daughter's soccer team, a whole soccer team. He was the team mascot. Everybody fell in love with this little guy. One of the great things about Safe Families, it's whole healing for the family. The goal is always reunification, so you're kind of like helping these families stay together. Not just help take care of Hiroki, but in the end, taking care of Amy. All of these people that had loved on him and on us in some way during those four months, they were supporting her with what she needed. Hi, I'm Amy Matsushita. I'm Hiroki Matsushita's mom, and this is my safe families. One of the biggest things is the follow-up of continuing relationship, even if we're not caring for the child anymore. I mean, he is a part of our family, but you are too, and I hope Thank that you, you feel like you belong. I hope you feel like you belong. I do. You're like the best support I've had. It was really easy to talk to you about stuff, because I don't know, I had a lot going on, and I didn't really have anyone to talk to. So I really felt like I was alone. I'm just like so thankful. I'm just so thankful that you were there the whole time. And even now, like I come over and we can just have fun. Even if Rogi has fun, I'm just so thankful. The idea is like how can we really wrap around these families as a community and have them be part of our church family, part of our life. helping stop this cycle of abuse and you stop from kids continuously going in and out of foster care and you kind of invite this whole family into your family. It's really beautiful. Case that may seem really extreme to you, like, whoa, some kid could just show up at our door and we take care of him. But the kinds of things you learn in that kind of a setting as a family are really amazing, similar to what I shared about the Go Teams trips. It's, it's entering into an experience to put your family, to stretch your family and stretch your faith and learn how to pray together about some things that are really tangible and close to your home in that case, right? And, and praying for that mom and hoping she's going to get better and, and hosting that child for a number of weeks and just diving in together and making the sacrifice that it takes to make that happen. But I love what God does through it when you saw the picture of their small group, right? It's your community group rallies around you and helps you to, to walk through those days if you're the host and, and they're, they're befriending you. Or maybe you're saying, I could never host, but I could sure be a friend to someone else who's doing it, that kind of stuff. So it's the body of Christ coming together to really make an impact on someone's life that, that needs some help in that moment. The average hosting time or placement is about six weeks across the country as they do this program. So um, it's just kind of rolling your sleeves up and taking a, a step of, of faith in that. Um, we, we're starting to get calls even here in Nebraska about it. And um, as we've been developing and as we've talked with Health and Human Services about it. And um, so we're starting to get referrals and we're, and we're saying, okay, hold on, we're still building our team, okay? <laughs> but like one of them was a, a man who had been to Open Door Mission, uh, a single dad, had lost his job and, his, and then had lost his housing. So 
he showed up with these two little elementary school boys, and they said, really, for men and, and little ones, what we have is just our men's shelter. We don't have, like, a family unit for you available. And so the guy looks around this open, you know, gym with cots and a bunch of men and says, I don't feel like my boys are safe here, okay? Perfect placement that we could say, hey, your boys can stay at this house of this family at our church that we trained while you can stay there and work in their jobs program and get that figured out. And when you're ready, we'll get you guys back together again. We're going to reunify your family in a more stable place, right? That kind of an example is, is what we're talking about with Safe Families for Children. We've got another orientation night coming up for that um, in March. So if that's something God would put on your heart. Um, in terms of, of foster care, uh, and this is something I could talk uh, all next week about too, if you want, Jeff. But um, um, <clears throat> no, uh, we we dove into foster care after kind of being around it for a while with Royal Family Kids Camp. We we my wife and I have helped do a summer camp program for foster kids and learned about it through that a little bit. And then two years ago, we decided, hey, we're going to get our foster care license, which means you go to some classes and you fill out some paperwork and stuff, and then you're all of a sudden, magically, you're on this list of people that they can call when uh, when crisis comes up in the city. And we were just so impacted at first being on that call list. It's like the phone rings and you're like, what? There's someone who just, their kids just got taken into custody because they were shoplifting and what? That happens in my town? What are you talking about? They went shoplifting with their little toddler. I didn't know that was happening, but all of a sudden I'm on this list of people they call to take care of the kid because they got to deal with the parents and figure out what's going on. That was Easter Sunday at our house two years ago, two o'clock in the morning, because we said we'll be on the emergency list. We don't have it. We didn't have a full-time placement at that time. Can you take these three little ones? Because we just their parents just got arrested. Yeah, we're having Easter dinner, but that's okay. They can come along, you know. So what a lesson for my kids, right? We're celebrating that Jesus is alive and he's the Savior and he's the hope of the world. And guess what? We're going to take in these three kids today and celebrate with them too. And we're going to have a chance to tell them all about Jesus today because that's what we're doing, right? It's Easter. It was the coolest thing. Um, but unless we'd taken those classes and kind of gotten in the game, we wouldn't have been on that list of people they called. Does that make sense? So just to put your family in a position when you can dive into some stuff like this is, is a pretty powerful thing. Um, I know that uh, for my son, Simon, he, he's a thinker and a feeler a lot, and he's a little quieter than maybe my, other, my others. And, and I know that um, even several months into our current placement with uh, Dominique, our little two-year-old, uh, he was uh, talking to his uh, tribe leader just about wanting prayer. And, uh, and I said, well, what were you asking for prayer for tonight? Because they were talking about prayer, I think, in their lesson. And he said, well, I was asking for prayer just about how everything's just so up in the air with Dominique, and I'm just not sure what's going to happen. Because we don't know if she's going to go back to her parents or if she'll have the opportunity to maybe stay with us through adoption, or you just don't know how it's going to turn out. And this whole thing is walking with my kids open-handed in faith, saying, God, we don't know what's going to happen here. We just don't. And so what a life lesson for them. And that's the way Jenny and I are look, choosing to look at it and just say, wow, what an opportunity for them to walk through this at this age, knowing that later in life, you know as adults, how many times are you going, I don't know what's going to happen, Lord. <laughs> I don't know, but I know I can trust you. And so it's building those experiences where they can trust him. And we're still in the midst of, of all those lessons with that. So, um, But in the end, I think some of the just the outcomes that we've seen certainly draws us closer to God. Uh, as we're walking through that process, as I mentioned, and it, it draws us closer as a family. We have these projects, we have these faith journeys and adventures we go on, whether it's a trip or whether it's something in our own home, uh, and there's a lot of other applications you could make with it, but uh, it really draws us together as a family unit, much more so than just going out to 
the pizza machine together or whatever, right? So, I mean, they're, they're things that stretch and challenge, and, and they teach really valuable life, life lessons through experience. If we want them to learn these things, how to pray and how to experience God's grace and have faith in him and how to walk the Christian life, let's experience it together in really tangible ways even when they're younger. And uh, we've seen answers to prayer. We've seen learning about sacrifice. Hey, because we're doing this, then it's not going to look the way you thought it was going to look right now this weekend. This Easter weekend is going to look a lot different because we got these little kids in our home, right? But we're going to choose to give that sacrificially and change our activities a little bit because it, it's worth it because we're doing it for, for Jesus. So um, as a, just a, an application point, uh, whether it's some of these things I mentioned tonight, like a Go Teams family trip or like foster care or Safe Families for Children, or whether you're maybe thinking, you know what, there's a single mom that lives next door to me and we could do more to help her. Or um, there's a number of different things I'm sure you could think of on your own to do, but um, just I would challenge you to take it to a new level in terms of experiencing serving Jesus together as a family and uh, help them learn these lessons uh, while they're young. Um, I asked him, if uh, Jeff, if we could do this blue card on your table. And uh, just so many times you hear something, and maybe there's a little prompting in your heart, but if you don't really write something down and ask for a little more information or, um, you know, kind of take a step forward, then you might just go on your way and, and not choose to apply something that God might be putting in your heart right now. So I just wanted to provide this as an opportunity tonight. If you want to jot your name and, uh, and check a box that you might be interested in getting some more information about something, uh, whether it's one of those top three or something else that maybe comes to mind, you just want to talk about it more, be excited to uh, give you a call, shoot you an email, and follow up with you and get you some more information because um, God's just taught our family so much through these kinds of things and trying to look at life this way together. So um, I'll give you a minute to just fill that out and leave it on the table. Is that right, Jeff? Just leave it on the table and they'll, they'll collect them and, and I'd be glad to follow up with you on any of the areas if you want some more information. So. everybody. Hey, great job, Mark. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Great. And yeah, if you just want to leave those cards in the center of your table, we'll pick those up and, um, and make sure that you get the information uh, that you've requested. So one thing to know, Mark is always around or shoot me an email and I'll get you in touch with Mark. Um, if you got more even questions just about this topic, I love being just challenged to think, okay, how can we as a family create experiences that our kids get to experience the things that Jesus would want them to? So, um, yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. So, hey, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, dismiss you, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you um, 
uh, for really challenging us in um, a very important way. Lord, how do we help our families really experience the things that you would want them to and uh, to really get engaged in, in doing ministry and serving you? So, Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray that um, you would just lead us. Lord, would your Holy Spirit, I pray, just guide each and every one of us in that. And, uh, Lord, as now as we go downstairs with our kids, um, we pray that that would just be a time where we're able to uh, really begin a conversation that we take home, Lord. So thank you for who you are. And, uh, yeah, Lord, we just we love you. We worship you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you next week.